Welcome to Nika in the Know, a podcast for healthcare providers in the HIV field. I'm Mariana Breitman. With me today is my guest co-host, John Farragon, who you've been hearing from on our last couple of episodes. Hi, John. Hello again, Mariana. I hope you're doing well, and uh, thanks for being a great host for our podcast. So um, hopefully this will be another great episode for people. On our last episode of Nika in the Know, we talked about the ending the HIV epidemic plan and the role of Nika AATC in helping achieve its goals. John, can you remind folks what those goals are? Yeah, so there's, there's really, um, there's two main goals for, for the ET plan um, uh, for America. And the first one is a 75% reduction in new HIV infections by 2025. And our second goal is, a, is a, at least a 90% reduction in new HIV infections by 2030. And again, hopefully you remember this in the last, in the last one, um, the four pillars, right? It's diagnose, treat, prevent and respond. So again, it's diagnose, treat, prevent and respond. Those are our four main pillars of what we're trying to accomplish. Diagnose, treat, prevent and respond. Got it. So today we thought it would be a good idea to do a deep dive into one of the key pillars of the ETE program, prevention. All right, John, what do providers need to know? All right. So, I mean, I think the most important thing, you know, there's, there's really two, two broad categories that are uh, kind of associated with HIV prevention. The first one is PrEP, and then the second uh, is, is really what we call TASP or treatment as prevention. Um, so, so the first, I think, is, is, I think a lot of people may or may not be aware of this, but it's really the use of daily medications to prevent HIV infection uh, known as PrEP or pre-exposure prophylaxis. So this is taken before you're actually exposed to potentially, uh, potentially exposed to HIV. Um, so, so we know there's a, there's a lot of studies on PrEP, um, and they've been shown to really reduce the risk of getting HIV. Um, however, we, you know, we know that fewer than 25% uh, of the people who could benefit from PrEP are, are actually using this preventative, uh, preventative treatment. So there's definitely more, uh, more to do for, for PrEP. I know I said this last time, but that still boggles my mind. There's this effective medication out there and less than a quarter of the people who could benefit from it are using it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, um, it's, it's a main goal of the prevention pillar is really to increase, increase this access to PrEP and increase awareness. And, and, I, and I think that people, um, there, are, there are definitely high-risk populations that, that aren't aware that PrEP is even available. Um, so one of the big focuses for ETE is really to, to expand PrEP use among African-American and Latino gay and bisexual men, and also African-American women, uh, all, of, all of whom are disproportionately uh, affected by, by HIV. So right now um, in the U.S., there's actually two medications that are approved for PrEP in the U.S. And I'm, I'm going to use the generic names, but the first one is tenofovir disoproxofumarate um, with FTC, which is emtricitabine. So that's one, that's one uh, combination medication. So again, each of these have, each of the meds that are approved have contain two medications that you would take that, that, are, that are in one pill, one pill regimens. And then the other one is called tenofovir alafenamide with emtricitabine. So uh, so, so both of these two different options have really been shown uh, in, in various studies and also in various populations to reduce the incidence of HIV by close to or better than 90%. But it really matters that people actually take it every single day or around the time when, when they're going to be exposed to, to HIV. So it's really important that people have to, people have to take it in order, in, order for, in order for it to work. That's crazy. Okay, so who should take PrEP? 
So this is, you know, some some broad categories I think are are are, are I think are important for us to kind of review. So um, there there's really three different uh, groups of people um, who should really really be offered prep. So the first is men having sex with men. So um, the guidelines are available and they and they walk through uh, prep indications. So so in in men who are having sex with men, if you're an adult male and you weigh at least 35 kilograms, which is about you know 75 or 80 pounds around in there. Um, if you have no acute or established HIV infection, because clearly we don't want to give uh, PrEP to people who are HIV infected, because that would be giving them you know kind of uh, subtherapeutic treatment. Um, any male sex partner in the previous six months, and if you're not in a monogamous relationship with a recently tested HIV negative man, you pretty much meet the criteria for PrEP. And then if, if, you have, uh, if you've had any anal sex without condoms, in the previous six months, or if you've had a bacterial STI, which includes syphilis, gonorrhea, or chlamydia in the previous six months, you really meet the criteria for PrEP. So I think the vast majority of people right now that are on PrEP are men who are having sex with other men. And I think that's, that's a, a large proportion of, of what we need to focus on because you know, the vast majority of infections, about 65, 70% of new infections are coming from, from, that, from that group. In addition to that, we, you, there's also indications for heterosexual men and women as well. So um, men having sex with men is, is one group, but then the next group is heterosexual, um, uh, heterosexual uh, uh, um, men or men or, or, or women. So PrEP is indicated for them as well, um, and especially for, um, for people who are in what we call serodiscordant um, relationships. So for example, if you're in uh, somebody who's uh, one person is HIV infected and the other person is not, that would actually be a, a place where you, you would potentially use PrEP. But again, an adult weighing greater than 35 kilograms, no acute or established HIV infection. If you've had any sex with the opposite sex partner in the previous six months and you're not in a mono monogamous relationship with a recently tested HIV negative partner, um, and if, you've had, if, you're, if you identify as being bisexual or if you have infrequent condom use with greater than one partner, um, who, where you don't know if they're HIV infected, or if you're in an ongoing relationship with HIV positives, those serodiscordant couples, and then if you've had a bacterial STI in the previous six months, which again includes syphilis, gonorrhea, uh, and, and females or males. So I think this is an important one because I think I think we often think that females aren't don't kind of fit into these categories, but if it's really the the guidelines are really specifically written, I think, to kind of kind of um, uh, identify anybody who may be at risk for HIV. So, so for example, if you've had, you know, even a one night stand in the previous six months and you had an STI, you technically meet the criteria. So these are, these are really important. I think, I think guidelines for us to be aware of that are, that are out there for, uh, for, for PrEP. And then finally, the, the, the last group I'll kind of mentioned, and it's important as well, that I think we often forget about people who are injecting drugs and, and there's actually preventative, you can use this preventative uh, measure for, for patients and there's good data there. Um, so again, adult or, or uh, adolescent weighing greater than 35 kilograms, no acute or established HIV infection. Again, if you've had uh, injection of drugs that are not prescribed by a clinician in the previous six months, and then again, if you've ever shared equipment with anybody, uh, injection drug equipment, or if you have risk of sexual acquisition on top of using injection drugs, you, you would be a candidate for PrEP. So I think really broad indications, but really kind of falling into three broad categories. First, you know, the men having sex with men, heterosexual uh, males and females, and also um, uh, people, um, people who inject drugs, I think is an important one. So it's also important to realize that this could also be, um, we often forget about this, but there are a lot of people, uh, some people who are transgender patients may actually be injecting hormones. 
and a lot of them you know would, would most likely fit into the MSM category, but if they may just they may be injecting hormones that are not necessarily given to them by their by their provider, so they, they would also kind of fit into this uh, into these criteria as well. So I think I, I kind of mentioned serous cord in couples, but let me just make sure I'm clear on this. So um, serous cord in couples are are defined as one partner in a relationship has HIV and the other one is not HIV infected. So for the HIV uninfected patient or uninfected partner, I should say, um, they are a candidate, candidate, candidate for PrEP. So we kind of talked about the generics, but I think a lot of people do use the brand name. So I'm just going to mention them just quick. And I know, you know, some people, you know, we probably should use generics or, or brands, but I want to make sure that people know what the drugs are. And one of them is called Truvada and one of them is called Descobi. So Truvada is a fixed dose combination of, of tenofovir disoproxyl fumarate, that's the TDF, and then emtricitabine, which is also known as FTC, which is the kind of three-letter chemical name. So Truvada is one piece. And Truvada is pretty much uh, indicated uh, for, uh, for all patients uh, who, who may be at risk, risk for, uh, have, who might be requiring PrEP. Descobi is a little bit different in the fact that this was recently approved in the more recent approval. Um, and this was studied uh, uh, for PrEP uh, by the FDA in this large Discover study. And it's a fixed dose combination of tenofovir alafenamide, which is called TAF, and emtricitabine FTC. So again, the only difference is one is one has TAF, one has TDF. So, in, and there are some differences there, which we're not going to really kind of cover, at least not in this not in this uh, episode. The one thing that's important about Descovy, it was it's not indicated for women. The FDA did not allow the Descovy label to contain data for women. They actually didn't have a study with women. So that's actually um, kind of a data gap that's actually that's actually there. But both of these are taken orally. They're taken one pill a day, um, relatively easy to take. And I think I think that's uh, that's an important piece of of uh, some of the differences between between those two drugs. Um, so I just want to kind of mention uh, one thing on on a, on a concept called uh, which we we kind of call uh, uh, you know on demand or or event driven prep. So this is uh, called uh, two one one dosing. So two one one uh, dosing and some of the guidelines. And, and some of you listening today may have actually heard of the strategy. In fact, some of our providers get these questions. You know, patients will come in and say, you know, can I do it on demand or event-driven? Can I do 2-1-1 dosing? And so just really quick, there's a, there's a couple large studies. One of them, I think, is this Prevenir study, which looked at really uh, a large population of MSMs who were randomized to either receive daily prep or to, or to get it on demand. They could switch back and forth if they wanted to. Um, but basically, the way this is done is you take, you take a double dose. So you take two doses of of, uh, and this was done with Truvada. There's no data with Descovy. It's just, it's just with Truvada, which is TDF-FTC. So they took a double dose two to 24 hours prior to having sex. And then if sex happened, they took an additional pill 24 hours after the first dose and then 40 hour, 48 hours after, after, the, after that dose, right? So it's basically uh, an every 24-hour regimen times three doses, but the first dose is a, is a double two-pill uh, two two pill dose. So one of the questions we often get, like this on-demand, it works, and, and, and actually in this Prevenir study, there was nobody that actually got HIV infected. There were zero infections. However, if you take PrEP, or if you, if you do event-driven sex more than once a week, and you're you really should probably be on daily PrEP in, in that setting, right? Because you, you don't want to be taking more than, more than eight pills in, in a week. So if you, if, you, if you do this more than twice, uh, twice in one week, you really should be taking, uh, taking daily PrEP. So again, just to remind you, two, uh, the, the two-dose uh, uh, prep really should be taken as close to the 24-hour 
for pre-sex time as possible. But again, it, I think you're better off to take it rather than not take it. So if, if you think you're going to have sex in an hour and, and, and you know, you got a choice of taking it or not, take the double dose and take it. I think that's probably the safest way. I think most people w- would recommend this. Also know that that's, this isn't necessary in all the guidelines and it's not necessary in all the labels either. But in some of the guidelines, this 2-1-1 dosing is actually, is actually recommended. So again, no data for Discovery. I mentioned that. And also no data for women. It's only for people, um, uh, men having sex with men. I think that's, that's really a, a key piece of this 2-1-1 dosing. All right. So we mentioned this in the, in the, last, uh, in the last episode, but I want to mention it again because we are talking about PrEP. And a lot of, a lot of uh, patients come to us and say, you know, where can I get PrEP? Or we hear this at some of the presentations we do. They say, you know, where do, how do I find out who's doing PrEP in my area? So this is a, a great website to go to. It's called, uh, called PrEP Locator. So www.preplocator.org. And if you go into that website, in the upper left-hand corner, there's a little bit, there's a, a little search button and you can punch in your, your zip code or you can punch in your, your, your town. And, and when you hit enter, it'll tell you actually who's doing PrEP in your area. And we've even done this in some of the, um, some of the so for example, for me in New York State, you'd be surprised even in upstate New York and some of the rural areas, there are places that are doing PrEP. So it's really an important piece. That, so don't assume that because you're not near a big city or, or you're not working in a big city that you can't get PrEP for your patients. And if you're a provider who doesn't feel comfortable doing PrEP, you know, you can certainly refer them to one of these PrEP clinics and they can certainly, certainly um, uh, help you out. So I think the most important thing is I think there's going to be more options for PrEP that are coming soon. And, and this is just kind of just a, a brief overview of, of using either, either Descovy or, or Truvada for, for PrEP. And I think what you're going to see pretty soon in the next couple of years, you're going to see injectables and you're also going to potentially see even inserts. There's some good data on injectables and also inserts that, that are out there. And for more information, you can actually go to our website, which is uh, Um, or you can visit our National Clinical Consultation Center. Uh, and that's a, a great website to go to. It's uh, www.nccc, uh, so the National Clinical Consultation Center, .ucsf, because that's University of Cal- California, San Francisco, .edu. So nccc, nccc.ucsf.edu, okay? So it's a great place to go that they have, they have great information there. But more importantly, they actually have phone lines where you can actually get information um, about an expert, expert advice uh, specific to the questions that you may have, have around PrEP. So Mariana, that's about it for today, right? For, for, the, for the PrEP information. But really, we have two options and, and there's really uh, three main populations. And I, and I think it's a great option for us to really kind of help to, to achieve those goals with ETE by, by you know, in that prevention pillar and make sure that we have people on prep as many as many as should be on it you know we should be offering that to our patients thank you so much for breaking all of that down john i can't believe that so many different groups of people could benefit from taking prep and decreasing the occurrence of hiv we really hope you learned something new in this episode about hiv prevention and the importance of prep in ending the epidemic plan for America. To learn more about NECA ATC's work and our role in ending the HIV epidemic, visit us at www.necaaetc.org. Stay safe and we'll see you next time for the next episode of NECA in the Know. This presentation is supported by the Health Resources and Services Administration, HRSA, of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, HHS. The contents are those of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official views of, nor an endorsement by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government.